0: Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Because He is the vine, we will bear fruit. And then He says, what's the purpose of all of this? Well, it's for my Father's glory. That word glory, dhoxa, to make famous. It's for His glory purpose it's to magnify my father it's to celebrate my father it's to make my father famous and excellent you see when you are full of jesus the one you're full of will glorify his name and what jesus is saying the one you are rooted in will determine the fruit that you bear if you're planted as an apple tree you're not going to have bananas because you are attached to those roots And what Jesus is saying, if you want to bear fruit, you need to be attached to me because I I am vine. And so what is the beauty of all of this? Well, it's to glorify God. And so he says, now remain in my love. And he begins to develop that. You see, you can exchange who God is for love when I say exchange, you're connected to him. And as you're connected to him, there's love that abounds in all of this. And he says in verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And as you begin to experience this joy, it might be complete. That word complete, that you might be full and even to overflow, that you might be full up and you might abound and overflow. It's, it's got this idea of a liberal supply, not a little bit. We know what our children, as parents, we know what our children need. And so if it's vegetables, we give them abundance. If it's chocolate, that too. No, we give them what they need. And so what the father is giving the son, the son wants to give to you and I. And he wants to give it in abundance to us. I don't know about you, but joy is not something that comes automatically to us. You know, sometimes those who have a brighter personality, you know, have a lot of kind of happiness inside of them. And there are times of joy in our lives, but uh, a lot of times uh, our happiness can often uh, be interpreted as joy. But there is a big difference between happiness and joy. Uh, if you look at that next slide there, happiness comes from, uh, you know, that stuff on that side. I am seeing my therapist about it. But, you know, happiness is circumstantial because the more of that stuff you eat, the more happiness. But when you're finished with that and the sugar high is gone, then you're no longer happy. But there is a big difference between this happiness that we can get because of our circumstances, but when the circumstances change, do we still have the joy that comes within? Charles Spurgeon said this, there is a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful, but this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One dull or depressed spirit brings a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing, whereas he goes and the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. folk, I want to quote from this little book uh, about those who had uh, all the money in the world. And this is what they said, because we often connect money with happiness and joy. They said this, John Jacob Astor, who was uh, America's, richest person at the time of his death Uh, he died in 1912 uh, when the titanic sank he was on it and he said this i'm the most miserable man on earth not because he had all the money or because the ship sunk it's because he tried everything and not even money could satisfy him rockefeller said i've made many millions but they have brought me no happiness One of the greatest motivational speakers, Andrew Carnegie, said, millionaires seldom smile. Henry Ford. You know the Ford vehicle? I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not saying don't have money. Money is good. Money is good to have because it can bring about convenience. It can bring about a lot of happiness, but sometimes is that all we want in life, that happiness, or is it actually joy that is important? Alexander the Great had conquered just about the whole world, and having done so, he sat in his tent and he wept, and he said this, there are no more worlds to conquer. So you've done everything and you're still not happy. So the question we need to ask ourselves, where then is real joy found? Well, I've got two words up there. The one is the word grace and the other one is the word joy. Uh, folk, you can see there that the word grace is the Greek word charis and the word Joy is a Greek word, kara. And so they are connected, you see. They are connected. And God's grace is unique in Christianity because it it comes from God, the true and living God. And that's why Jesus was able to say, I, I am vine. Because that joy comes from him and from him alone and so when you begin to connect these two they begin to make sense and that's why uh, he's able to say uh, in verses 9 uh, to 11 as the father have loved me so I loved you now remain in my love if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as i have kept my father's commands and remain in his love why Told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your your joy may overflow. It may be complete and overflow. And so here the catch is to remain in him. Doesn't matter how rich or famous you are, whether you've got the right job, whether you're getting the right salary, whether you live in the right house or live in the right neighborhood you drive the right car, you have all the right features, and you have a picture-perfect family. Those are helpful. But joy comes from abiding in Him. And because one abides in Him, Paul was able to write 1 Thessalonians 5.16, and I've got it up on the screen for you in different translations. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, 516 in the New International Version says, Rejoice always. The King James Version says, Rejoice evermore. The message says, Be cheerful no matter what. And the Amplified Bible says, Rejoice always and delight in your faith. And so, what is being said here? When you begin to rejoice, you are well and you will thrive. You are well and you will thrive. And when do you do that? Well, pantote, always, at all times, at all times. And so how can that be possible if uh, we are told to to rejoice at all times? Well, if you look at the context here, if you look at uh, the verse before this particular verse uh, that Paul writes about, he says, Uh, in verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians 5, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And so what what he's saying here, that that you begin to rejoice as not uh, as part of your duty, but that is what will happen to you when you are remaining in him and you are not connected to all these other things. And you think, well, how is it possible not to be connected to all these other things? Because that's really, really difficult. You know, there are people that rub us up the wrong way. Uh, they are people that come uh, and uh, try and uh, help us to stumble. And they, at times you can feel hopelessness. Um, but he, he's saying, listen, despite all of that, don't go and pay wrong for wrong. And the only way you could do that is to be filled with the things of God. Because if you're not, then it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus says this, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Yet we still are instructed to rejoice always. It never says be hopeless always. That's never the command. But because these difficulties will come across your path and you'll be tempted to face evil with evil and to fight nastiness with nastiness, if you like, what Jesus or what Paul is saying, listen, rejoice always. Why? Because you are full of him. I don't know if this is right to say, but the one you're full of will determine how you react. <laughs> and so if you're full of nonsense, guess how you're going to respond? We're never taught to be miserable, but we're taught to rejoice all the time. Why is that? Because we're connected to him. Because there is a lot of value in what Jesus said and what Paul is teaching us. There is a lot of value in that. And so what what I think to understand is important is that this joy that he's talking about is not a carnal rejoicing. You know, like a farmer, at the end of the season, there is a good crop and a good harvest, and he's able to rejoice. But then again, when uh, that comes to an end, then, you know, it, it begins to create animosity. In fact, there are some good things that we might be able to taste, but they too can make us sick. But this is a joy that comes from being attached to God. And it's not presumptuous. Because it's hard to have joy when you're living far from God, you see. In fact, that was true in the Old Testament because in Hosea chapter 9, uh, verse 1, we read, Do not rejoice, Israel. Do not be jubilant like the other nations, for you have been unfaithful to your God. And it's hard to to keep that joy and that uh, light shining if we are rebelling against God. But when you remain in Him, it makes it... little bit easier. It's not a a fanatical joy either. I won the lotto and so now I'm going to be joyful. No. And it doesn't go to an extreme. But it's, it's, it's joy that brings about a peace that passes understanding. You cannot explain it. You cannot explain it. You know that you know that you know there is a greater hand at work that is doing this. You cannot fathom it, but you know that you know that it is God that is doing it, despite my circumstance. With that in mind, I want to invite Bernie to come and share uh, a little bit of what uh, he's gone through in the last uh, couple of months.
1: Uh, Testing, am I on there? Well, good morning, everyone. Sorry, um, I'm going to share something which is really related to joy. Uh, It's my journey with stage four cancer. (laughs) Um, Now, in mid-December last year, I was uh, got the shock of my life in being diagnosed with aggressive stage four cancer, and um, there was a large tumour developing rapidly behind my right ear, and secondary tumours growing in my lungs. Now, this was after 74 years with a strong, healthy, active, productive lifestyle. Completely out of the blue. So uh, this was causing severe headaches. And I was on a number of different painkillers. And I was admitted to Hollywood Hospital on the 27th of December and started immunotherapy and radiotherapy for the year. Now, my main ministry role is the ambassador for prison Alpha in WA with Alpha Australia. And we're now in a substantial expansion phase with Alpha running in six prisons in one rehabilitation centre in WA from uh, one, one prison about two years ago. So with all that, there is a sponsoring church for each uh, prison Alpha and I've had m- massive support with about 400 people praying for me from different churches, and that's provided absolutely massive support. Uh, And on the 2nd of January, the tumour behind my ear started shrinking, and by the 10th of January, it had shrunk about 80%. So that's just staggering. And that uh, was able to quit all painkillers, and the headaches had gone. So that was a, a major touch from the Lord. Now I've uh, uh, completed all radiotherapy and the specialist doctor said she was amazed at the speed of shrinkage and it was one of the best responses she'd ever seen. So again that's confirmation this is from the Lord. It's not only medical. Uh, The tumour is now virtually gone and it has been declared (laughs) non-active. Now there's more. (laughs) So the tumours uh, in my lungs, tumour in my lungs uh, were about eight millimetres wide. And uh, I've just had confirmation from the professor of oncology uh, that the tumours in my lungs have shrunk from about eight millimetre to one millimetre and are no longer active. (laughs) uh, so the immunotherapy will continue for about a year, subject to review. And uh, the amazing thing about the immunotherapy is that it, it doesn't make you immunocompromised, unlike chemotherapy, so that you can relate to people and you're not, you're not having to isolate yourself. So as far as practical reality is concerned, I'm completely back to normal. and I, I, uh, I can continue with my prison alpha role together with other aspects of life and I, I believe firmly that I'm now healed from cancer. <laughs> now, that's, a, that's only after two and a half months from an aggressive stage four cancer. Uh, now, medically, these are early days, and the doctors would not want to declare a remission too early, but I'll accept that, but uh, I'll also accept the Lord's uh, approach on it. <laughs> so I'd like to thank the Lord for the amazing speed of recovery and I also thank the medical profession for the brilliant advances in medical technology in curing cancer. I'd also like to thank everyone who's been praying for me for this amazing recovery. Thanks very much.
0: When you think you've got difficulties and trauma, when you hear that, kind of get lifted up and it is contagious and so just closing up I just want to share with you what is this, the purpose of having the joy of the Lord and why would Paul want to tell us to rejoice always well Psalm 43 verse 4 says then I will go to the altar of God to God my joy and my delight When you think about what God the Father has done for you and for me, when you begin to realize His unlimited power and His unchanging grace, you begin to see who God is. That He is the one that is omnipresent fancy word that says He's with us all the time. That He is omnibenevolent, all good. And when no comes across my path and something I don't really like, it's for my good. That he is omniscient, he knows everything, and he knows what is good for me. And he is omnipotent, all-powerful, and will uh, destroy anything that will obstruct me. That when uh, the evil one comes with his sword, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When you begin to see that God came and dwelt among us, that he died for us, that he rose again and has given us his Holy Spirit to to indwell us and to quicken us and to guide us, to comfort us and to give us direction, you begin to rejoice. But also, as you try and remain connected to him, it begins to ward off temptation. It begins to encourage uh, other fellow Christians and it becomes contagious and attracts sinners. I'm sure you uh, and I have heard stories where, where people will say, there is something different about you. Well, there is. His name is Jesus. But then you might also be sitting here this morning and you say, well, I've got too much junk in my life. There is too much going on. There is too much junk within me, and I need to not spill this. And you might say, I need to get all this junk out of my life. If this glass is the junk, my sins, uh, all of this that are within... You know, some people say, well, I need to get rid of that. In this next slide, you'll see in Acts chapter 15, verse 32, we read, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You see, the reason for the filling is the overflow. And so if I'm first going to get rid of that, it's going to take forever because that will always be present. But as I begin to allow Him to come in, and as I allow Him to begin to cleanse me, and as I begin to allow Him to purify me, as I begin to allow Him to indwell within me, the more I allow Him to take place and have reign in my life, the better it becomes. With another liter, it'll be pure. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So greater is he that is in me. But to remain in me, I need to continue to abide in him. I need to continue to abide in him. To be connected to him. To allow him to overflow in my life. Polycarp was a disciple of John the Apostle and was burnt at the stake in Smyrna in about 156 AD. The authorities offered to save his life if he would curse Christ, but Polycarp replied, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he hath done me no harm. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Eighty and six years have I served him, and he hath done me no harm. I think Polycarp would say, yes, I've gone through difficulties, but God has been faithful to me to the very end. How then can I blaspheme the one who saved me? And, folk, that is so true. It's so true because the one that Polycarp was connected to, not just was associated to, but connected to, the one he ran to all the time, was in him. And he knew that God was faithful. As you're sitting here this morning, you might be going through a hard time. Well, Bernie shared his story. You can share your story. I can share my story. But as we abide in him and we fill ourselves with him, the rest should go away. You see, there will always be darkness. You cannot create it. Darkness is the absence of light. And as light comes in, so the darkness has to flee. And that's the truth. As we begin to prepare to have communion together, we begin to see that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Did that, with a cup as well, representing his blood. But when we're connected to him, there is something more than just being connected. We need to take steps to overflow. In John chapter 21, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? We know that story and that happened three times. And something happened within Peter's life. Something amazing. But the outcome of that, let me read to you. Peter realized now with the revelation of the Lord's hurting question that he does love him. Then comes a point. Spend it out. And how does Jesus say spend it out? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And Jesus said some extraordinarily funny sheep, some bedraggled, dirty sheep, some awkward, butting sheep, some sheep that have gone astray. It is impossible to weary God's love and it is impossible to weary that love in me if it springs from the one center. If I love my Lord, I have no business to be guided by natural temperament. I have to feed his sheep. And so that's the point here, you see. When we remain in him, And we abide in him and we discover the awesomeness of who God is. That he came as God the Son and dwelt among us and went to death on a cross for you and for me to reconcile us back to himself. And as we remain with that and we allow him to overflow in our lives, so we begin to feed his sheep. So we begin to serve one another and it overflows onto the foyer where the basketballers, and even in our community to our neighbours and to the ends of the earth. Let me pray as we have communion together, as we remember who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. Our Father, we thank you for your body that was put on a cross to reconcile us back to yourself. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us, for the remission of our sins. Thank you that we can call you Abba Father, and that we have the privilege of remaining in the creator of the universe. Lord, and as we abide in you, you bring about the joy that we so desperately need. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. We eat and drink together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. As we stand together and sing this last song, it's a a hallelujah. And if you're sitting here this morning or standing here this morning and there are difficulties in your circumstance, in your life, in your relationships, in your work, whatever it is, if there are difficulties, sing this loud. Sing this loud. And allow God to come and fill you afresh. And allow him to overflow in your life with his joy. And you give him all the glory. Let's sing to his honor and to his glory.